why would you invest in yourself? And you've got to back yourself, but you don't need to put the extra pressure on yourself. Start with friends and family when you are, you know, at that point where you've got a proven product and only at that point, but you must be aware of the risks. Hey folks, this is Michael Vesey from Amazing FBA Podcast for Amazon Sellers. I'd like to introduce an episode from our sister podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, which has got a slightly broader remit for all e-commerce sellers. In this deep dive episode, Jason Miles and I deep dive into a key e-commerce topic. Hope you enjoy the show. If you would like resources and links and other help, to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 437. Hey folks, this is Michael Vesey from Amazing FBA Podcast for Amazon Sellers. I'd like to introduce an episode from our sister podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, which has got a slightly broader remit for all e-commerce sellers. In this deep dive episode, Jason Miles and I deep dive into a key e-commerce topic. Hope you enjoy the show. We are Michael Vesey in London, England. Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you could be. We're here to get you there. Let's jump in. All right. In this episode, we are going to talk about the age old question to debt or not to debt. And borrowing money is always a fundamental question every business owner has to decide upon. And in this episode, we're going to break it down. We'll talk about the pros and cons of both sides of the issue. And so, Michael, are you ready to jump into this one? So that's my thoughts. There's a lot that goes on with this. It's a very, very hot live topic as far as I'm concerned. So I'm glad we're addressing it. So what, what are your thoughts on this big topic? Sure. Yeah. Our personal experience, of course, comes to mind. We started at our kitchen table, bootstrapping our business and really had a inclination to not want to use debt for the business because we were just already under financial stress, you know? And so it would feel to us at the beginning, that was over 10 years ago now, like we were probably digging a hole. Yeah. And we, you know, first thing you do is stop digging. So adding debt on a business on top of our own finances that had debt felt like a bad idea. Over time though, I think, you know, over a decade, we've gotten more comfortable with just our business, how it operates the strategic use of you know debt and have done personal we have done a debt product for our business before and so I'm happy to talk about those details and I think what we've come to is just a sort of more mature relaxed not stressed understanding of how best to use leverage and I think we've grown over time so I'm not as against it as I once was maybe but it's certainly got risks excellent and I think you bring up a very important point indeed here which is True, I think, for all forms of business and financial matters, but particularly with debt, that the fear is maybe more associated with debt, the sort of greed um, may be more associated with, you know, investing in things you shouldn't. But either which way, I think fear and greed are the emotional enemies, right? And that clear mindedness you've mentioned and getting comfortable with it and, and learning this trade skill, as it were, of, of using debt is a very important journey. So tell me a bit more about your journey towards actually becoming comfortable with using debt done a couple different products. We've used the PayPal working capital loan for our business. We wanted to acquire some businesses, uh, brands basically. And so we've done that in a few rounds, some we self-financed and then one round we did PayPal working capital loan. It's a wonderful experience, really inexpensive money in our view. And they structured it in a really nice way where 
you're not familiar with that product, they allow you to just basically have a small percentage taken out of your daily sales that applies back to the loan amount. And so it's almost invisible to you. They really put you into a situation where it's not a super onerous, you know, payback where it's like any kind of scary deal. And so we did, we did an amount we were comfortable with and, and it was a very positive experience. We paid it back early out of our daily earnings. And really I would not be afraid to do that again. And now that we've done it in a small way, we could do it in a larger way. So that was one example. And then recently, you know, the U S government's doing the PPP loan product for small business owners. And we also received PPP loan money. There's several loan products associated with the COVID-19 relief response activity. So both of those are sort of our recent experiences. Cool. Tell us a bit more about the PPP loan, because it's obviously very you know topical at the moment for American businesses. And I can tell a bit about the UK equivalent as well. Well, they launched the program and it obviously came out with some ambiguity at first, but I think they did a really good job getting clarity for business owners on what to do in the process. It happened to coincide at the time of the year where we were interacting with our CPA anyway for our you know annual books you know and, and uh, getting our taxes done that kind of thing. So he gave us opinions and perspective on it just at the right time. So it was some serendipity there, and he answered questions that we had from what he had learned and seen other clients do. And so we did do the PPP loan. There's actually three products available in the US right now. There's a grant product, and then there was a PPP loan product, which is an incredibly low interest rate loan, but almost all forgivable, potentially all forgivable, depending on how you meet acknowledgement or you know, sort of the use criteria. It can be, in essence, a free gift of money. And we've already done all that math and ours is completely forgivable. If it wasn't, it would be a 1% loan with a really generous ter- terms, like incredible. And then the third product is called the idle loan, which is a larger loan product. It's not forgivable, but it's a really great term. And so a lot of e-commerce sellers are using that to really clean up their higher cost loans and kind of using it as a loan consolidation tool. So yeah, those are the US tools. What about on the UK side? How do things look for you for that? <laughs> Well, as usual, the UK government is not in a position to be as generous as the US government. I like the idea of forgivable loan is basically government speak for a grant, but we're not allowed to call it a grant because that will be a political hot potato in my experience. So <laughs> that sounds very good, a forgivable loan. The the UK is as close to that as, as it's been for in my lifetime. So there's a BBL, business bounce back loan, which is up to £50,000. It's free finance for one year and then 2.5%. And I dare say to some degree, the government may look the other way if you don't, you know, come back. It it depends on the politics at the time. I think I wouldn't want to risk that. But nevertheless, it's very cheap money for the UK, particularly. And I know that a lot of the mastermind members have got that. And and in some cases have got it very, very quickly as well, depending on how efficient the bank is. But the government side, you know, sounds like it's been pretty good. So, yeah, COVID, weirdly enough, for e-commerce has actually produced some very generous loans for people who in many cases are having the best years ever. So it's an interesting uh, situation. So look, have you got examples either positive or negative about financing from your work with your coaching clients? I'll set the COVID stuff aside and just talk about sort of the more traditional experiences we've had prior to COVID-19 issues. There's one notable example, I think that's probably my saddest story that I just reflecting back on. We had 
without sharing any specific details, a coaching client that we basically stopped working with because it was just he was just burning so much cash trying to do private label business and to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars. And Kyle and I were just were not comfortable working with with him and 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 charging him for our services when he was going into debt so dramatically. And you know, there was a point at which it just became crystal clear to us. And we basically ended our relationship with him just out of a sense of duty to not help him drive into further debt. And and that was a really hard situation to think about and walk through. And as a service provider, as a coach, you know, you're charging people a lot of money. But one of the things I would just always say is if you don't have the money to do coaching, if you're borrowing money to do coaching, do not do coach, you know, don't do coaching. Fire your coach or, or stop. And so, but people have different levels of risk appetite. And I'm a very conservative person. I don't want to jeopardize my future. I don't want to ruin my, what I have with the hope of having something better in a risky way. And I guess our experience in that situation was we just saw somebody who was willing to risk so much, even their own personal finances, their home, anything, everything to try to launch a, private label product business, which was unproven. And it just didn't, I just couldn't support that. And I think that was probably my most notable example that was just personally challenged for us. And it really made us stop and think, you know, how do we offer our services? Who do we work with? And, and that kind of thing. How about you from your experience with 10K Collective or coaching clients, any notable examples of either positive, not mine was negative, but do you have any hopefully positive experiences you can relate? Yeah, a mixture. I mean, I wanted just to respond to your story. A couple of things. I mean, I think, first of all, it shows good integrity to be willing to say goodbye to a client because they're borrowing to to do the work with you. I personally would also just turn somebody away if I knew that was going on. Um, and I have done in the past, not, not fortunately, not when I got into a relationship with them, which is more painful, but I've turned people away who were going to borrow to, to start a business, never mind to pay, pay my fees. And I said, please don't do this. You know, go and get some capital together and don't borrow from your uncle to start an unproven business where you have no skill set. That just sounds horrendous. So I, I'm with you on that. And I think to, there's a couple of more famous references that spring to mind. First of all, in Shark Tank, if anyone ever watches that, I mean, for all that it's reality TV and very constructed, I still think it's very instructive. I really think it is. And you know, in the end, you got some sharp people and all for all that they may be being nastier than they work be in real life, I hope, <laughs> for the cameras. Nevertheless, I think on Shark Tank, one of the things that makes them throw their hands up with horror is when there's an unproven business that's losing money and the person's mortgaged their house out to, to get it. So that's a classic example of the extreme. And Warren Buffett says something similar to what you were saying. You know, if I've got 100 million now and I can have 110 million next year, but I could risk the 100 million by going into debt or taking risk, why would I risk the 100 million? So his philosophy is well known, isn't it? Rule number one, never lose money. Rule number two, see rule number one. So there is something on that side of the equation. So when it comes to the 10K Collective, then they are a much more risk on bunch than that. I guess they're quite kind of aggressive, which is maybe something that in the Amazon type space encourages that somehow. Um, also, they've made it to the table and it's somehow I've collected people who are quite keen on growing businesses fast. And that's almost a mantra. So quite a lot of people a bit possibly too easily prone to taking out debt. Some of the bigger businesses have secured several hundred thousand dollar loans for banks or pounds. But I have to say, 
in many cases, it's taken several months to a year of conversations with banks. It's not easy to get banks to lend to e-commerce. Um, other ones have just borrowed from friends and family, sometimes uh, to 20, 30,000 pounds worth or something, which is pretty amazing. That's not common, but it does happen. Quite one of the other businesses that really strikes me is that they've got about half of the, I don't know, half of their finances seems to be based around personal credit card debt, which is obviously quite high risk. The main thing that struck me is that any significant levels of debt, it seems that the reality for the businesses that I'm familiar with, that you will have to secure on a personal loan if it's over, say, £100,000, $120,000 worth, which definitely gives you very great pause for thought because then you're risking your family's house and stuff. So, you know, that's that's one thing that really strikes me is that it's a big decision once you go over that sort of amount. I totally agree. Let me just also add another Warren Buffett quote that I love. I think he was talking about the derivatives market situation, and he made a comment about derivatives traders. And hopefully I can get it generally right. But he basically said, in effect, to get what they didn't need, they risk what they did need. And that just makes no sense at all in his calculus. If you don't need something, why would you put in jeopardy your core business? And he's just, that's just not of interest to him. And so I think that's a classic frame of mind, which is, you know, just be very careful what you're risking if you're ever going to borrow money. I think that's an interesting way to look at it. I'm also fascinated by your group's perspective as well. I think it is a risk on or a let's use risk, let's go for it group that we work with, obviously, internet entrepreneurs and general e-commerce sellers. But there are people who are financially sophisticated and thoughtful, and there are people who are careless. And there's a huge difference. And I think the first you know, principle is know yourself. And if you are a careless person or just not a detail-oriented person, and I'll put that myself in that category, I'm not a detail-oriented person. And over time, what I've come to learn is I really have to depend on my business partner and wife, who is a detail-oriented person, and not get myself in trouble, not get us in trouble, and always include her in the process and really have her take a careful look at what we're doing so that we make sure the details don't really hurt us. And I think that's a, a critical part of, you know, using leverage, using debt, really understanding how the details will or won't impact you, you know. Agreed. And uh, and to respond on that, one of the groups that is one of the members of the group that's been most aggressive in the use of debt also has a full-time financial director who is very actually comes from some pretty serious background and uh, he is the counterbalance to that person's drive so i think the balance in that business is very very good the ceo is the guy who comes to the mastermind most of the time and sometimes one of his sort of managers comes but his job is to be very aggressive and have a very clear direction and vision for the business and gun for that and then the chief financial officer's job or financial director um is to say how a does this make sense b will it break the company and, and see if it's doable if it is you know, a good idea. How do we do it? And, and what are the limits and what are the parameters? And actually, although he's quite aggressive and he's very, very full on kind of personality and a great guy, it's a classic entrepreneur, but also actually he's not mindlessly charging around. He's got several, you know, he's got a responsibility on his back for a significant business and, and quite a lot of employees and stuff. So that means that actually it's about calculated risk and he is a calculator, but he leaves the fine tuning of the calculation to the detail person. To your point, I think that's a really critical point that, that self knowledge, you know, again, a lot of stuff in business points back towards the self 
if there's a problem with the business, it's probably a problem in the founder's brain sooner or later, right? Absolutely. Well, let me ask you, what would you suggest people do in terms of their pursuit of doing, you know, smart, professional use of leverage or not? What are your advice, tips, suggestions that you give to your coaching clients when you talk to them about this topic? So if I'm working with somebody early on, I mean, it's very simple advice, which is do not borrow. I mean, do not borrow for an unproven product or business, especially if you have no proven skill set in it. That's insane. Another way of putting it is, would a commercial institution, even a risk on one, so not a retail high street bank, but somebody else or a risk on invest in you? And if not, then you've got to think, well, why would you invest in yourself? And you've got to back yourself, but you don't need to put the extra pressure on yourself. Start with friends and family when you are, you know, at that point where you've got a proven product and only at that point, but you must be aware of the risk. So friends and family is sort of soft money, easy to get. But if you mess it up, the, the financial consequences for your business may not be as severe as getting a bank coming around and repossessing your house, but it may destroy a relationship that actually is way more important. So you really have to be very mindful of what you're doing. And different families have different dynamics. There are a lot of Asian families in Britain. So South Asian, Indian, Pakistani families have a very different relationship to borrowing and, and money within families than, say, I was a sort of English type person. I would say a classic starting point for a lot of people is borrowing in August for extra money on a very proven product to expand rather than enable at all the, the amount of inventory you can buy and then pay them back within a few months. And, you know, that's a way to use debt very wisely, quite short term and minimize risk for everyone else. And that one is obviously for Amazon focused Q4 inventory needs. Is that the idea there? Absolutely right. Yes, because you need extra. So you need to borrow in, say, August in order to get stuff if you're made, getting it made in China, particularly. And then, you know, to, to put down the, the balance of payments, probably after something's been manufactured, then it gets shipped out and then it's going to arrive, say, in October, uh, that kind of time, roughly. And that works well. And, and I would be personally happy, and this is another sort of litmus test, I'd be personally happy to set to lend to a proven Amazon seller if he can let me see the books in confidence to a degree, anywhere that's relevant to the decision. I'd be very happy to make that kind of loan as long as the interest rate was proportional to what I thought the risk was. And it's not going to be you know, like 2%. As far as I'm concerned, I'd, I'd want several percent and I don't know the exact amount. But I personally would do that with an established business person who knows what they're doing, has clean books and has a track record. And again, if you don't have those things yourself, then why would you be asking anyone for any loans? I think you have, you have to be able to look things, you have the empathy to step into the outside perspective, like so many things in life. Again, the mindset is, is part of it. And one thing is, would you lend money to this person? And if not, don't ask for it yourself. I love that. But that's so hard to do because we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. We look over our own warts. We don't criticize ourselves as much rigorously as we as, a, as an outsider would. And obviously that's a very introspective versus, let me say it this way. You have to be clear on your situation, unemotionally clear on it. And I think having even the process of a loan application helps you get clarity. Yes. Brutal clarity. I, I would say to your point, self-awareness is incredibly difficult, but hiring somebody else is a much more obvious path. And yes, it costs you money, but guess what? A conversation with a coach, even if they don't actually give you extra input, if just talking out loud and they ask the right questions, will give you a, a lot of clarity, sometimes rather harsh. I mean, you know, you were my coach for, for several months at one point a while ago, and, you know, you're a very gentle man, but even so, the insights you get sometimes aren't pretty, but it's, it's useful to know where you're actually at. And walking in the land of delusion in business is, you know, you can get away with it in the arts for years, trust me, <laughs> but 
in the land of business, it will kill you. So I think you have to be willing to hire somebody to have difficult conversations with you, particularly an accountant. So that's that's the main thing I would say about that. Let me just say in, in that regard, w- one little insight I've received in that scenario is I have a a friend, I would call him, who's not a technical mentor or coach to me, but he's a veteran business owner and we meet for breakfast almost every Saturday. And he does very well. And it has a very strong opinion about don't borrow, no debt, you know, use cash. But then when you ask him, how did he start 30 years ago? It's a completely different story. You know, so the advice he gives is not the life he lived. And I think it's important for us to really, when you get, you know, into the details with someone's advice, ask them not what they're telling you is best practice, but what they lived. And the reality is somewhere in between. They're giving you their best suggestion, but not their actual, you know, reality that they lived frequently. And and I think that's important to realize. But the principles are important that he shares, of course, which is moving towards a debt-free life and a cash-flowing business that pays all its own expenses out of, you know, cash on hand. And that's the ideal. And, you know, over 30 years, you get there. But I think he's got a good point. And the thing is that it's very easy to borrow money now. There's a lot of capital in the world. Don't forget quantitative easing has been happening for years now and everyone just ignores it. There's a ton of money, US dollars, British pounds, euros. The Japanese have gone crazy with it. There's a lot of money sloshing around the financial system of the world looking for a home to get a return. And actually, people are prepared to get really low returns these days, which means that debt is very cheap at the moment. But that's a historical anomaly. Most of the time, debt's been a heck of a lot more expensive than it has been over the last while. And there's nothing to say it won't pop back to the reversion to the norm, as they say, reversion to the mean, I should say, that over time, if you look at inflation rates, interest rates, they tend to revert to a long-term trend. So that tells me that just because debt is cheap now and therefore lower risk does not mean it will be in the future. So as a long-term plan, you have to acknowledge the riskiness of debt, even if it doesn't feel very risky at this stage in history, which I think is a really important point. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. We offer you free help on our website, including PDFs, videos, and mini courses on topics like traffic, products, and sales channels. Some are for Amazon, most are for any sales channel. To get those and to stay up to date with our podcasts, go to www.theecommerceleader.com. Thanks for listening. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 437. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.